It's interesting, if you have your Bibles open, you know, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, and uh, what they sang is based on 2.15, we'll be talking about 2.15, where it says, the apostle says, um, don't be uh, complaining and disputing, in order that you might be, watch this now, the last phrase in the book, I'm sorry, in verse 15, uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The Lord wants us to be shining as lights. Uh, we have a message. We're going to talk about how we do this a little bit in, uh, in just a few minutes together. Um, that's where these songs that we sang this morning and the song that they just sang uh, invites us to be all that God wants us to be as lights. And he wants us to be his lights. Now, this book of Philippians, um, I'll tell you, it's been an encouragement to me and I hope to you as well. Uh, sometimes when we're going through a book, people say, you know, I read through the whole thing more than once, and I have as well. Uh, the major theme of the book of Philippians is having joy in the Christian life. Um, I, I gave the original uh, theme as unity and joy and having the mind of Christ because I feel the key verse in the book is in chapter 2 and verse 5 where the apostle says, let this mind or this attitude be in you, which was in also in Christ Jesus. But we'll be talking about that as well in just a few moments. But um, the book as a whole, when you look at why the apostle wrote the book, he's trying to encourage the Philippian believers. He wants them to have joy in their lives. And uh, the Lord wants us to have joy in our lives and experience. doesn't mean that we won't have trials and needs. Uh, as John prayed, he mentioned that um, sometimes believers are persecuted for this faith, for their faith. And um, Jesus himself said, in the world you will have tribulation. But it's interesting that he said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And some of you have read testimonies of martyrs for Christ. And before they were killed for their faith in the Lord, they had a tremendous uh, light about their appearance. They, they had a tremendous joy in their lives and, uh, that they would be counted worthy uh, to suffer and to die for the Lord Jesus Christ. And to us who, who live in a place where primarily in, in the basic sense we're not persecuted for our faith, although there might be times when you say, I have been... Uh, yet, for the most part, uh, we don't live in a society yet uh, that's so anti-Christian that people die for their faith. And so we talked about joy, Christian joy. The Lord wants us. Um, he doesn't want us to uh, be going around all the time discouraged and despondent and down. He wants us to be encouraged because of our relationship with him. So we talked about uh, a while back Christian joy. And uh, we, we said a lot of things about it. First of all, that Christian joy is essentially you and I having enjoyment in God and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy is an inner contentment. It, it is different from happiness. There, there's a lot of things that can make us happy and outwardly cheerful, and but Inner joy is something that Christians have had even in the midst of persecution because they knew that they belonged to God and God is in sovereign control of our world and our universe. 
Joy is also a gift from God. It's something that God gives to us because of our relationship with him. If you know Jesus as your Savior. Um, the psalmist said, Old Testament, Psalm 16, 11, In your presence, Lord, is the fullness of joy. And that doesn't look only forward to our time in heaven. In your presence is the fullness of joy. It looks forward to God's presence being experienced here and now. When you get in your car to drive home, you can have that sense, you know. Uh, there isn't everything in life uh, the way I would like to see it to be. But I know that I have the Lord and I know he's taking care of me. And, and there's a joy in my life because I belong to Jesus, pardon me, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy is produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And we can have that as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God who lives within us as believers if the Holy Spirit um, encourages you to do something in this afternoon time and, and you do it and know that you're following the leading of the Lord. There, there's a joy in your life. There's a joy in coming together this morning. We're going to be at the Lord's table in just a few minutes. And I love to have communion with you. I really do. You can have communion by yourself. I've heard of some believers who maybe in a group of one or two, they've had communion. But the Word of God encourages us when we come together in the body of Christ to enjoy communion together. The eating of the bread and the drinking of the fruit of the vine, which remind us of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, and we mentioned this before, we didn't spend a lot of time on it, joy comes from knowing who you are in Christ. And, of course, Don mentioned that um, not too long ago. And uh, we had another guest speaker that handled that subject. I was going to handle that subject, but these people took it right away from me. I'm just kidding, Don. You know that. Uh, and he planned. He planned to speak on who we are in Christ. And uh, if there's ever a subject you want to get a handle on, it's who you are in Christ. You know? Uh, and and uh, Rose Publishing has these... Um, interesting uh, laminated studies on uh, different Bible studies. I'm just going to read some of these. This is who you and I are in Christ. We're forgiven. Boy, that's a wonderful thing to know. Multitudes of people in our society today uh, don't have the, uh, the joy that comes from being forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm reconciled with God. Multitudes of people do not have a relationship with God. Uh, I've been redeemed, that is, bought out of slavery to sin. We no longer have to sin. You and I as believers can say no to sin. And we, we can experience the uh, power of the Holy Spirit to come along and uh, cause us to walk away from something that could pull us down. I'm justified, we're going to talk about this in a minute, declare righteous before God. I'm accepted. I'm free. There's a tremendous freedom in Christ. I'm loved who we are in Christ. You're loved. You're, you're free. Uh, it's amazing uh, the things that the Bible says that we have because we know Christ as Savior. Now again, the book of Philippians, um, if you would turn to chapter 2 with me, uh, the book of Philippians is absolutely awesome and uh, reminding us of the uh, joy that we can have <clears throat> Pardon me, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Experiencing joy in the Christian life. Some of you will notice there's an insert in your bulletin that has this morning's study outlined for you. We have considered already 2, 5 to 8 and 2, 9 to 11 
the humiliation of Christ and the exaltation of Christ. Jesus Christ is the supreme example of humility, and I love this next term, phrase, selfless concern for others. And that's probably what one of the ways we would describe humility, of having concern for others. It's not only looking at my own interests, but also being concerned what happens to others, other people. And, and it gives us that desire when we have that humility, that desire to check on others and see how they're doing. The Lord Jesus Christ is a supreme example of humility. He said, in fact, um, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And there are so many examples in Scripture. You watch the movement of the Lord Jesus Christ on his way to the cross and how he stops and he ministers to individuals, not just to the crowds like the feeding of the 5,000, but to individuals with needs and concerns. Uh, he is the great example of the, the servant of the Lord. In fact, um, when the text says in 2.5, let this mind be in you, have this attitude of Christ. I, I, I want us to re always remember two things there. First of all, the humility of Christ in leaving the glories of heaven and coming down here, taking upon himself flesh and blood and dying for us. The humility of Christ and the servant spirit. You see, um, the Lord Jesus, when he ministered to others, there was that genuine love and compassion. By the way, that same love and compassion has come into our lives. Whenever you were saved, whenever you trusted Jesus as your Savior, you see, the Lord knew who you were. He knows who we are. And he reached down and caused you to see uh, that he was there for you, uh, caused you to understand that he will forgive you of all your sins and bring you in relationship to himself. So we looked at carefully at the humiliation of Christ. He took upon himself the very nature of a human servant. And uh, when he did that, he laid aside the independent use of his divine attributes. He always had them, but he just didn't use them like he could have. He laid them aside and became the God-man, truly God and truly man. And then the exhortation, uh, exaltation of Christ, we looked at that carefully, how the Father raised him from the dead. He ascended back to the Father in heaven. There he is now as high priest. And uh, remember now, Christ is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And it says in the book of Hebrews that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And I was talking with someone yesterday at the hospital, and they said that verse, which a lot of people I don't think understand, the fact that Christ prays for has been such a blessing to me to know that when I left another country and came to the United States, I knew that Jesus was watching over me. And uh, this individual said, when I came here, I didn't know one person. Not one person. I came here alone. I didn't have family that I met up with here. And yet she said, I knew that Christ knew I was here and he was communicating with the Father on my behalf. And I thought, wow, uh, that is so true and so encouraging to hear. Um, now we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. And uh, these are interesting. We'll spend a little time on them. Beginning at verse 12 where the apostle says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my, my presence only, but now much more in my absence, they obeyed, and we'll talk about this, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now you notice he begins this verse with therefore. And when you see a therefore, you ask yourself, what's it there for? <laughs> it's there in order for us to look at what precedes that has been said. It looks back to the person of Jesus Christ, the one who was obedient to the Father in heaven and left the glories of heaven and came down here to earth. And, and it takes time to think about this and to try to understand that Jesus Christ, God the Son, who was always in good and uh, wonderful and awesome fellowship with the Father, left the glories of heaven and came down here to the earth and suffered and died and became a man and experienced pain for you and for me. We'll talk about this when we come to the table. So he says, therefore, because the Lord Jesus was obedient to the Father and willingly left heaven and came down here for us, now he's saying, I want you Philippian believers and he wants us to be obedient to the teaching of the word of God. So he uses the phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now you notice he doesn't say, work for your salvation. One thing that's very clear for us who know Christ as Savior is when you're born again, you're born again when you put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you. We don't work to go to heaven. We don't do good things. God doesn't weigh the good things that we do in relationship to the bad things that we do. We accept, we believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercies that he saved us. So yes, Paul is now saying, work out your salvation. You see, your salvation was given to you as a gift from God. And that was put within you, okay? And now he's saying to the Philippian believers, and he says to us, work out what God has put in you. What has he put it within us? He's put within us forgiveness. He's put within us the Holy Spirit. And now we're to, and I believe that phrase is still, well, was up here before, live out your faith. You say, now he's talking about living out your faith. Work out of your life what God has put in your life. And that's called sanctification, being set apart unto the Lord. In fact, these terms are used in the Bible. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. I'll just mention, you don't need to turn to them. Keep your uh, Bibles there in Philippians 2. But in Romans 8.29 it says, For whom he did foreknow, God also predestinated that we be conformed to the image of his Son. So here's God's goal for you and me in the Christian life. He wants us to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And then when you stop to think about that, you're saying, wow, you know, God's working in our lives, and we're going to see that in 2.13 in a minute. God's working in our lives in order that we just become more like Christ. You see, you're not the same this year if you're a growing Christian as you were last year. Maybe last year you had some hang-ups in your life and you say, you know, I'm not happy that I had these hang-ups. Maybe you were struggling with the subject of forgiveness. But now that Christ is working in your life, you know, you're willing to forgive others. You're willing to care more about others. You're willing to be more like Christ. 
And that's what the Lord is doing in your life. So that's why he says, work out your salvation, things that he's put in your life with fear and trembling. We were called by the Lord to become more like Christ. In fact, in Romans 8.32, after 8.29, it says, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and those he justified, those he glorified. (laughs) And what's interesting about that is, by the way, when you were saved, this is beautiful. The Lord was calling you. I can still remember the night I was saved. I was very young. But you see, the Lord was calling you, and you responded. Could have been in a church service where you heard the gospel, and you heard, you need to trust Jesus. And you said, yeah, I need to trust Jesus. Those who want to trust Jesus, would you raise your hand? And you raised your hand. Some people do that. Some people come forward in a service. Some people pray to trust Christ at home. But whenever you trusted Christ, don't forget this. It was the call of God in your life. And the Lord called you to have a relationship uh, with himself. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8. And, of course, when we're saved, when we trust Christ, the Bible says we're justified. The word justified means to be declared righteous. And why can God declare you righteous? Because when you and I were saved, we received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Um, Positionally, you are righteous before God. I, I'm going to turn my Bible and read this verse. You've got you to hear this Romans 10:14 again. You've got to hear it. Now, this is your sanctification now. Uh, you are set apart unto the Lord. You're set apart unto him. Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Justified and sanctified. Now, that's the work that God's doing in your life today. And we have some things to do, some responsibility with regard to sanctification. But um, the point is, when you were justified, you were declared righteous before God. And also, you are being sanctified. Now, listen to this verse. Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's you and me. So, uh, ladies, your husband is perfect. (laughs) Before God. (laughs) Positionally. (laughs) Maybe some areas not experientially. But, guys, your wives are perfect before God. You see, we're not on a performance scale now in relationship to the Lord. Uh, By that, we're not saying the Lord doesn't want us... He wants us to grow spiritually. But God looks at you and me in Christ, our position in Christ, as being perfect and complete. That's beautiful. In other words, if Jesus comes back today, if the rapture happens today, and this building's empty, I hope. <laughs> you should say, yeah, I hope too. <laughs> and this building's empty because we're that living generation of believers that are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Why will he do that? Because you see, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you are righteous before God. So let me read that verse again. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 says, For by one offering, the offering of Christ that we will celebrate in just a moment, 
For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And, of course, right now we are being sanctified. In other words, God's working in our lives, as we will see in 2.13, to make us more like Christ. Okay? So that's the work of sanctification. So actually there's three ways we look at sanctification. Positionally, remember we said we're perfect before God as God looks at us. But in our experience, we may have some things in our lives that God would like us to get out. We may have some things in our lives, maybe some attitudes. The Lord says, you know, I really want you to get that out. In fact, he mentions two in Philippians chapter 2. But there's positional sanctification. There's progressive sanctification where God is working in us and we are doing what we're supposed to do before God. And then there's ultimate sanctification. I'm going to read this verse. You'll love it. It says in 1 John 3, 2, When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In other words... When Jesus comes back again, and we're among those who are looking for the return of Christ, the rapture, and um, remember we've told you this before, that not every even born-again Christian is taught to be looking for the return of Christ. There are those who don't believe in the rapture. They don't believe that Jesus is coming back again. And the timing of that is disputed, but most believers... True believers in Jesus Christ believe that he's coming back again. The timing of when? Before the tribulation, middle of the tribulation, after the tribulation. That's disputed among people. By the way, I think the right one is Revelation 3.10. Before the tribulation, we're kept out of the hour of tribulation. But here's the point again. When he appears, you will be like him, for you'll see him as he is. Quickly, we're saying... That we have responsibility with regards to the being sanctified. In other words, you were saved. Now what, Now that you're saved, what is God doing in your life? And what are you doing to become more like Christ? Okay, we're just going to glance at a couple of verses. Just glance at it because we've got to come to the table in a minute here. We have responsibility. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can devile our body and our spirit. Let us work towards Complete purity because we fear the Lord. In other words, Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers, he's saying, look, have nothing to do with the things that you were doing in the past which were not pleasing to God. Get these things out of your life. Second Corinthians 7.1. You have the responsibility to do that. Here's another verse in 1 Corinthians 10.14 that says, flee idolatry. The last verse in 1 John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So if I want to um, be growing more like Christ, I have to make sure that I'm not putting something else or someone else or even some things that I do that I give more love and devotion to these things that I should give to our God. That's why the apostle says, uh, keep yourselves from idols. And we need to be very, very careful. So now let me mention quickly, and we'll come right to the table. When it comes to being sanctified or set apart unto the Lord, God has given us some very things, specific things to help us. You've probably heard these before, but the reminder is important. The first one, of course, is the Word of God. Don't be neglecting your Bible. I've had some Christians say, well, you know, it's been a while since I've had my quiet time. 
It's been a while since I've had my Bible open during the week. If that's where you're at, listen, don't be laden with guilt. Tonight when you get home, today when you get home, lay your Bible open and and, and get into the Word of God and allow the Lord to minister uh, to you through your Word. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through your Word. Your Word is truth. Set them apart. So the more you're reading your Bible, the more the Lord is teaching you, the more you become more like Christ, the more sanctified you are, the more you understand the things God wants you to do. That's sanctification. Sanctification. That's why he said, work out your salvation. Work out what God has put in you with meekness and fear. So the word of God, don't neglect it. Uh, I've talked with people even recently about their quiet time. And uh, I've heard Christians say, I would not be without my quiet time. In fact, I thanked the Lord years ago. And this is for me. This is not for you. The timing of quiet time. But there was a pastor in New York, and I never heard that phrase before. And he said, you know what's helped me a lot? The little phrase, no Bible, no breakfast. He wouldn't eat any food, any breakfast, until he read the food of the Word of God. And uh, Dr. Hay, he, he, he was a good man of God. And a very interesting phrase. The Word of God sets you apart. Prayer, don't neglect it. Remember, you'll be hearing people say, well, it won't matter if you pray. It does matter when we pray. Colossians 4.2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Um, Your prayer life is very important. In fact, um, I want to mention this This relationship between prayer and spiritual alertness. The verse says, continue in prayer and watch in the same. In other words, if you will be praying more, even for your own family, for people who don't know Christ, the more you pray, the more the Lord will give you spiritual alertness. And he may want you to do something for this person over here that you're praying for who doesn't know Christ. And the Lord may touch your heart and say, yes, you're praying for this person. Now, by the way, I want you to give them something so they can be helped in their walk with the Lord. Well, uh, we've got to go to to the table. But the big challenge of this section, of course, is that God wants us to shine at lights as lights in this dark world. And how do we do that? We hold forth the Word of God. When you walk into the church from that area there, you'll see above the doorway a little sign that says, holding forth the Word of God. If you go out that way this morning, now I'd rather you go this way and sign up for turkeys and food. But when you, <laughs> when you come in that way, above that doorway there, it says, holding forth the Word of life. And my friends, that's how we are lights in the world. You see, you may be the only light on the street in which you live. And God may want to use you when you invite someone to come to church, when you give someone a copy of the scriptures, when you pray for someone who you know needs Jesus Christ. God wants us to be lights, which we sang about this morning. So important. So he says in 2.15, shine as lights. How do we do that? We hold forth the word of life. We had a man in our church a number of years ago by the name of Paul. And uh, Paul would buy cases of books, uh, Bibles, I'm sorry. 
And I said, Paul, what do you do? He says, I give them out to the guys at work. I give them guys at gas stations. I give them the guys. He says, I give them out all over the place. And I said, Paul, the Lord burdens you with that ministry. That's a great ministry. But you see, all of us can be used by the Lord as lights. In fact, in another place, the Bible says, this is a dark world. And you who know Jesus is your Savior. Don't underestimate how you really do shine in the midst of a lot of people who don't know Christ. And how God wants... He may just want you to speak a word for Him. He may just want you to invite someone to church. He may just want you to tell someone about Jesus. This past week, I was in a grocery store buying some deli meat and uh, had a track and I asked the lady, I said, uh, uh, here's a track that tells people about Jesus and uh, why Jesus Christ came for us. And I said, you, you've probably heard of why Jesus came. And she said, no, I didn't. I've never heard that. I've never heard it. Well, he left the glories of, and she listened. He left the glories of heaven and came down here to suffer and die on the cross for you and for me. And when we accept him as Savior, he does two things. He forgives all of our sin and promises to take. And she said, boy, that was good to hear. You see, we sometimes we assume people around us that they know even about the Lord. And she said, no, I, I've not really been told why Jesus came. Well, we're going to celebrate that as we come to the table now. Would you join with me in prayer? As we go to prayer, we're going to thank the Lord for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, he went to the cross for you and for me. He died in our place.